As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights. All right, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer. For the athletic, it is Tuesday, October 5th, around 5 p.m. Of course, this broadcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. So, today I got a very special guest, one of the greatest hurricanes of all time, talking about a consensus first team All American national champion, Jim Thorpe Award winner. Orange Bowl Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy has done it all. He was the number three overall pick. Um, and he's a guy who's very concerned about the program, and rightfully so. We've seen this program struggle for a while now. But my guess is none other than the great Benny Blades. Benny, thanks for coming on, man, on, on Wide Right and uh, talking some Canes football with me. I'm, I very much appreciate it. Manny, the pleasure is mine. Anytime I, I can uh... – Lend a voice, especially to, to the University of Miami. I am here to talk Canes uh, football. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. Obviously, everybody's a little upset about what's happened here uh, at the start of this season. There were high expectations. This was a team that was ranked 14th in the country in the preseason. Everybody was excited about facing Alabama. And then, unfortunately, they went out there and the national champions did what they do, right? They They, they, they beat Miami pretty soundly. And then... You know, in the last couple of weeks, you know, Miami's lost a couple game, more games, one to Michigan State where it kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter. And then again, uh, you know, against Virginia, they had a chance to win it late, had the field goal, missed, missed the kick. And, and you've been very active, I guess, on social media talking about wanting to lend your expertise uh, and helping the university get back on track. And, and I know you had said you had lined up a meeting, um, you know, with the uh, with some officials at Miami, I believe the school president, maybe the athletic director, Blake James too. Um, I guess for, let's start with that, Benny. What, what, what's it been like 
you know, these last 17 years, I'm a Miami guy through and through, born and raised in the city. I'm 43 years old. I loved watching when you were winning, man, when you were out there making plays <laughs> and all the other great canes. I was at the Orange Bowl. It was so much fun. The last 17, 18 years, though, man, it's just been a battle. What do you what do you see right now as maybe what's holding this program back? Well, to me, I mean, we got to first start with the obvious. And the first thing people say that we are winning the recruiting battle here in South Florida. But for me, I beg to differ because when I, when I look around, uh, especially the people that I know who have kids that are gone and they're at Alabama, they're at LSU, they're at Clemson. And I sit and I talk to these parents. I'm like, why didn't your, your child choose the University of Miami. We're in the backyard, especially, I'm not gonna call any names. This particular young man I know personally who really wanted to come to the University of Miami. His dad still goes to the University of Miami games, but yet his son is playing in Alabama. That bothers me. And so I asked us as well, he says, Benny, they just stopped recruiting me. How do you stop recruiting Kids from South Florida. I, I, I just, I'm, it baffles me. Uh, those, are, those are the things that I really want, want to know the questions to. Because when, when like me and you talked before the podcast, I coach youth league football. I'm the president of a youth league football program. I still referee every now and then, high school football. And I keep my ear to the, to the grindstone when it comes to people around the community and where their kids are going. Because I try to get as many of these, these players to commit, whether it's their freshman year, their sophomore year, to the University of Miami. We have to keep pressure on I mean, these are young kids. Let's, just, let's be real, realistic. And if you're not the, the hot commodity, these kids find other places to go. And so it really bothers me that we're losing these kids and they, they go other places and they become superstars. I'm like, wow, if we could have just kept, just for me, Manny, 10 kids that I know personally, if we could have kept them at Miami, man, we would have still been in the in the thicket and a mix of things. And so, I just want to know, me personally, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ever say anything bad about the University of Miami because that's still my beloved school. And so, I just just want to, you know, there there's some personal questions that I just need answers to. That's all. Um. Yeah, it's baffling to all of us. I mean, I've covered high schools uh, for here many, many years and seen so many great players. You mentioned Alabama. I think of guys like Amari Cooper, who is a great NFL receiver now with the Cowboys, right? He was a Miami Northwestern kid. Uh, didn't didn't end up getting him. Teddy Bridgewater, right, who's the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, another kid out of Miami Northwestern. Weren't, weren't able to get him. I mean, there's so many examples we can do, but I agree with you. I mean, the best players, the best of the best in South Florida have been leaving for a while now and going elsewhere. And I think a lot of it, Benny, and this is just my opinion from covering it all. I think the kids just want to go to programs where they're going to help them get to the NFL and they're going to help them win championships. And, you know, 
as much as Miami may or may not recruit guys, in the end, these kids also are looking at it saying, hey, you know what? I can go somewhere else and have the kind of success that I used to be able to go to Miami and do, and now I can't anymore. And so I think, you know, in some regards, it's up to the kids to make that decision, right, where, where they want to go. But at the same time, too, I don't know how much Miami is doing to really entice them or to show them examples that 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 things are getting better. And I, I, I and, and, but Manny, that, that that's the thing. I had a discussion last night because it seems like uh, I'm 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 a hot commodity. People <laughs> see me now. That's all they want to talk about. Well, what, what are you going to say at that meeting? And I, I just tell them, I said, look, the, the same thing. Uh, I'm telling you now. I, I tell them, I said, look, here's the thing we have to remember. In 1980, 81, the University of Miami wasn't very good. I mean, they, they came off of a Peach Bowl win and all of that. It took a conscious effort, starting in 1983 through 1985, to get kids from South Florida to want to stay home to make the University of Miami better. So what do you do? You got to make a push, okay? Dade in Broward County leaves the NFL and college football in players. If you get 80 players to just stay home for two years and make a commitment to the University of Miami, just make a commitment, and you'll, you'll see that, hey, those 80 will turn into that third year, another 40, that fourth year, another 30. And it keeps going on and on and on and on. You can't keep losing 15 here because, like you said, kids understand. I can go to the LSUs, the Clemsons, Ohio States, the Alabamas, because those programs are winning right now. Kids want to be associated with winners. Kids want to be associated with guys that are going to get them to the National Football League. That takes commitment, not only from the recruitment people, but from the coaches that are there to coach them to get to the next level. Yeah. Now, when, when, when you, when, for me, it's disheartening when I, when I, when I left the National Football League. I came back and the, the Ridley boys, two kids that I mentored, it killed me when Calvin Ridley decided he wanted to go to Alabama at the last minute because he, he was my guy. His guy wants to go to Miami real bad. And he just says, no, coach, you know what I mean? They, they showered on me at the last minute. So he went to Alabama. I get it. Okay. At first I was like, you know, okay, well, maybe I don't know what's going on. So I get it. I want the guys that I know that I mentor to here in the community. I want these kids to go and be successful. But when it's year after year after year after year, it's really be be becoming a, a problem for me. And I just, I, I call a meeting because I just want to know what direction are we going in. That's all. I mean, I, I, I have no 
personal interest in it. As as far as you know, people always say, "Well, what if they offer you something?" I have multiple jobs. I, I'm I'm good with a job. <laughs> my <laughs> yeah. my whole thing is is really really tough to explain to people when you bleed orange and green for so long of your life to where now there's just really no answers. I mean, you, you go down there and I don't really know if the university is trying to separate themselves from the old school because first thing people say, well, you guys got to, you know, stop living in the past. Well, to me, 2001 is, isn't that long ago. And when you can say the winningest team in college football history was that 2001 team, and I, I tell people, I says, you're talking about less than 22 years ago that we were a dominant force in college football. How have we fallen so far to where when kids get a letter from Miami, they used to be excited. Now they're like, ah, oh, let me put it on over there with their Tulsa's and their Toledo's. <laughs> right. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't want that because I hear it from the kids who are being recruited. I mean, man, you know how disheartening it is when, like I told you, I go out and I referee the games and you're talking to kids and the coaches says, oh, that's a legend that's, co that's refereeing you. And the kids come in and they ask me, and I'm excited about my University of Miami. And they say, well, you guys aren't very good. Wow. Yeah. To me, that's very disheartening because I'm, I, I talk up Miami no matter where I go because Miami is going to always be yeah. a part of – the Blaze family is going to be a part of it no matter what. Yeah. And so – how, how, how do you tell kids to not go to Miami? And, you know, I understand everybody else's sentiments about, you know, bashing and trashing the people that are there. I, I'm just come, trying to come from a different angle. Gotcha. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not angry about what's going on, but I just, me personally, I want to know what's, if we're going to be academia, let's be academia. Right. If we're going to really, really, really try to bring our sports program back up to where it's supposed to be, because in any university, when the sports program, especially football, is winning, you get kids want to come there and be a part of the university. So that means regular students come. That means baseball players come. Basketball players come. Because why? You can serve two people. You can be academia and you can also be athletics. I, I just don't know what are we doing right now. I know our, our uh, university school of medicine is tops in the country. Yeah. Why can't I why can't our football program be tops in the country? Right. Well here's what I'll tell you. Um, you know you you want to go back and study history, right? And say where did things go wrong, right? We always want to kind of figure out how do we get back on track. I think number one, you know, I, I don't know if the university would ever say this, um, but anyway, you lived this. I mean, when you went to the University of Miami, all those pretty buildings, all those nice facilities, that medical school, that didn't look like it does now. 
right? And I think you go back and you look no. at when, when Miami no. went when Miami went to the ACC in 2004 and they started getting those big paychecks. It seemed like the desire yeah. to win kind of changed, did it not? So it seemed like the way that they operated wasn't the same desperation when you were there, when they needed football to be successful. Right. right. And, and, and that's the thing, because are we being driven by money from outside sources? Because like you said, before we got into the ACC, when we, were the, when we were just independent and nobody wanted us, Miami football had to be good because now you had to play everybody that was out there, no matter the Big Ten, the Pac-12, you had to play everybody. Then we went into the Big East. And, you know, we, we, won, we won that. And so now it's come to a point where Winning the coastal, that can't be all that we want to do. Yeah, you know, I, I, I keep hearing that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Since when winning the coastal has become a prize, as opposed to winning the national championship? And I, I don't want to hear people tell me, oh, well, if you guys win the coastal, are you kidding me? That, that's, that's not what I want this program to be. This program, when kids come in, their first thought is, how can we get to the big dance and win it? Because you don't do it. It takes a team effort from the strength coach to the equipment guys all the way up to the fans. Because people forget about the fans. I tell people, Manny, I I'm, I'm just going to be realistic with you. I haven't gone to a UM game last year, and nor, nor have I went to one this year because I just can't see the brand of football that's being played. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. And for me, it's hard to watch on television, especially when I'm, I'm texting guys that are there. They say, man, it's worse in person. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm baffled because I come from an era where if I walked in the huddle and I didn't even look the part, Jerome, Jerome Brown would physically choke me around my neck and say, "Get your blub 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 together and let's do this." Mm -hmm. And and so. I, I often question, yeah, I, I got a nephew there and I ask him, what is going on? I know he's not going to tell me because, you know, it's, it's still that code between coaches and, and the kids that are there. But you can't tell me that's the same brand of football that I turn on the TV that I see the Alabamas and the commitment that those kids have to winning it all every year. Yeah. And Maybe so you can, you can see it. Yeah. Benny, one thing I've heard and, and from I, I've been covering this team now going on two decades, I basically started with Butch in the late 90s, you know, so more, more little more than two decades being around the program. And I watched it growing up as a kid. And one thing that I've heard over and over again is, you know, how committed are the kids to getting better, you know, and to holding that yeah. responsibility? Because back when you played and I hear this from Kelvin Harris all the time, you know, you guys would practice two or three times a day. Right. The hours were right. different. Yeah. coaches that could spend a lot more time with you guys 
And now, you know, the kids really have to police themselves because those hours are limited. It's not like before where, you know, you had kind of a free for all. And I think in some ways, you know, it's up to the players to carry that commitment on their own and, you know, covering this team. I got to say, it doesn't always feel like those guys are doing what they need to do, the extra work that needs to be put in. And I also say this, I talked about this with Kelvin Harris today. You know, when you guys played, there were no benefits. These kids are getting checks now. No. They're getting some sort of, I mean, let's think about it. How does that affect, how does that affect hunger, right? How, if, if you open your refrigerator, you got nothing to eat versus, you know, you open your refrigerator up now and you got a nice salad in the corner and you got some chicken over here and you got a steak down there. I mean, how hungry are you going to be as a player? I think a lot of this comes down to mentality. And I say the other aspect is, you know, you played for some unbelievable coaches. I mean, the coaching staffs that you guys had, there were guys who went on to become uh, head coaches in the NFL who were coordinators. Um, I feel like, you know, while the rest of the country has continued to cash in on all this money, right, this TV money in the last couple of decades, because everybody's on TV now, and spent that money on coaches, I think in some regards, Miami just hasn't kept up the way that it's needed to. I don't think uh, Randy Shannon ever got the kind of financial support he needed with his assistant coaches. And I think, you know, you just look at the track record. Manny Diaz had never been a head coach. Um, he was, well, I guess you could say for 17 days, right, when he was at Temple. Uh, you know, Al Golden was at Temple, but, I mean, that's you're hiring a Temple head coach to be the coach at Miami. Um, you know, Randy wasn't a head coach. He was a coordinator. Uh, you know, Rick came over. He was at the end of his career. My point is, you know, I feel like you guys definitely got better coaching back in the day for whatever the circumstances were back then. And then I think also on the flip side, I think the players were just different. There was a different level of hunger from the players um, and commitment to wanting to be the best. Those are my observations. Well, and and, and that's the thing that I alluded to earlier. You're going to have to keep kids that are here. They're going to have to have that thirst to want. Because when those, a few of the kids that I, I named earlier that go to Alabama, the thirst is there. Mm-hmm. That NIL money is everywhere. Right. You're trying to tell me that kid in Alabama who's already getting a million dollars a year, his thirst to want to win a national championship, and you think it's different than a kid that's down in Miami? Right. Who can, if it you're be. winning, that's right. If you're winning, that NIL money becomes a whole much, a, 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 a huge chunk of money. Okay, mm-hmm. and so people reward programs that are winning. You could be comfortable making forty thousand while you're at Miami because you're getting NIL money, but why not get four hundred thousand? You know, for winning. Right. So where's your thirst to want to be the best? You know, and, and, and it bothers me because for me, when I talk to guys who are NFL scouts and who are NFL head coaches, the first thing they say is, well, we used to clamor at getting kids from Miami. Now it's like a, a second, third, fourth option getting a kid from Miami. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I I spent all day today, Benny, uh, talking to NFL personnel, guys that do talent evaluation. And I can tell you there's a handful of kids that they honestly view as draft worthy. That's it. A handful. And, you know, Miami used to be a program where even if guys weren't draft eligible, you could look at the field and you say, there's 40 guys out there. They're going to play in the NFL. And, and, and right now there's a lot of them that, that, that they're questioning because they just say, where's the hunger? Where's, you know, and I, I don't want to single guys out, but here's a perfect example. Navon Donaldson, huge human being, right? Six, six, 350 pounds, got all the talent in the world. And he's getting beat at the line of scrimmage uh, and giving up a safety, you know, in this game yeah. against Virginia. And you say to yourself, and I have scouts telling me, man, that guy's big for nothing. Like, he's just not playing the game with the kind of heart that he needs to. And there's a lot of examples of that. Um, I guess my question to you is, you know, you're a guy, a very smart guy. How do you fix this? What, what has to happen to fix this in your mind? I mean, because recruiting good players is one thing. You got you to gotta make Miami attractive for them, right? But I think yeah. the other aspect is, how do you develop them? How do you change the mentality of the players at Miami now so that you don't lose to Virginia and you don't, you know, have to squeak by Appalachian State? Well, it, 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 here's the thing. Uh, I like to tell people, there's no such thing in Jimmy Johnson, House Nettenberger, those two is still this. And way back in the 80s, there's no such thing as a starter. Mm-hmm. You play your way in how you practice during the week. If you have a lethargical practice, don't think you're going to get on my field on Saturday. Because that goes in your desire and your thirst to want to win on Saturday. So don't sit and tell me whether you're a freshman or a fifth-year senior or now sixth, seventh-year senior. <laughs> right. You know, what are you contributing? I mean, don't sit there and tell I can, if you've been here five or six years, if you're going to give me the same commitment and the same effort as a kid who's a true freshman, let me play the true freshman. Mm-hmm. Because now I can teach him to go to a, another level because if he has that spark behind him saying, man, coach gonna snatch me up out of here if I don't play my, my best brand of football. To me, I, I just don't think that's there. They just figure, okay, because for me, when I, I look at a kid, because Jimmy, I, I tell people all the time, Jimmy told me one after one game, I think I must have missed three. And I tell you what, I don't care who you are, I don't care who. All-American you are. Hello? Yeah. 
few more tackles, you won't be on this field. Darren Fullington will be, be starting free safety for the Miami Hurricanes. Dude, that lights a fire in your butt. I got to go out here and perform week in, week out, every day at practice. You can't sit there and say, well, because, you know, you, no, 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 bro. That's not how that works. You got to earn it. And I, I just think uh, a lot of these, like, it goes back to the desire of the kids. Yeah, mm -hmm. we can blame a lot on the coaches, but where's the desire of these kids to want to be the best? You, you brought up Mr. Donaldson. Somebody told me before the season that he was supposed to be a top 10 pick. I saw him against Michigan State. I say, I don't know who y'all talking about. That kid's not a top 10 pick. And he, and he plays for my, my beloved Hurricane. Mm-hmm. And now, unless he proves something to himself and the rest of those scouts that are going to turn on that film and watch him, you're not a top 10 pick. You got you to gotta find that inner dog within you and make plays. He hasn't done that thus far. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who have been very underwhelming. Will Mallory gets the opportunity to play tight end right after sitting behind Brevin Jordan all those years. Now it's his turn and he's dropping balls left and right. Uh, you know, the defense, the tackling has been so awful. I, I have never seen a Miami Hurricanes team tackle as poorly as those guys have. And I know yeah. Diaz and those guys are trying to get them to do it the right way. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, it has to come from the players. I guess here's my, my question to you, Benny. What, what do you – and I don't know, have you had a chance to speak to the president and the athletic director? Have you, who have you had a chance to actually speak with and when, when will you – get a chance to speak to them? Well, he, he, I, I've uh, spoken to Blake James. Uh, me and him have had a private um, meeting years back. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Julio Frank first got to the University of Miami, he wanted to know how he can build a football program that's going to compete. He's, he talked to a lot of former players. So I don't know by speaking to them how committed they are to bringing this program back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 I want to voice my opinion, and I'm going to voice my opinion at the meeting on the 20th mm -hmm. because I just want them to know how me and other former players, we, we, we feel about it. I mean, right. I'm just I'm glad and I'm, that I'm noteworthy of them taking my meeting you know what I mean? Yeah. So what, what, <laughs> You're one of the few what, that they may take, Benny. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And so whatever suggestions they take from my meeting, I'm just hoping that they'll, they'll, they'll listen with an open heart and say, yeah, we, we you know, what you're saying is, it has validity. And this is what we need to do to get back on top. Mm -hmm. Because for me as a, oh, my God, I, I, I can't. And I get I get people that their first, maybe second time going to, uh, I still call it Joe Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, they take pictures right. of a name around the ring of honor. And he says, man, I didn't, I says, yeah, yeah I'm up there. I, I'm a legend and all of that. He says, why don't you go to the game? For me, I, I, I can't. I mean, it, it's, it's just tough for me right now to stomach it. No, I'm, I'm not a, a Band jumper. I'm, I'm a always support 100%. I just, 
I, I'll be out in sports barbers and people just look at me, is this guy here nuts or what? Because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing so much screaming and yelling because when you see four, five, six guys miss a tackle on one play, there's no way. There, how? How can mm-hmm. six people miss one guy on the same play? Right, right. And, and so, so many of the fans, though, right now point the finger at the coaches. And honestly, I don't know how to fall uh, with that, uh, Benny, because I, I feel like, you know, they weren't missing this many tackles last year. And it's the same guy who's the head coach. Right. So no. you know, at what point when is the ownership on the mistakes? Who does that fall on? Uh, and again, I know, look, it's the whole team, right? Every, it's a whole product. They all got to work together and get it right. But, you know, when you're talking about firing a coach, which is what the fans want, they think you can just change the coach and everything's going to be the different. You were in the NFL. You played for the Detroit Lions. They didn't do a whole lot of winning. You probably went through a few different head coaches or different experiences, position coaches. I mean, how much of it ultimately falls on the players? How much of it falls on the coaches in your mind? To, to me, I think about 70% falls on the players. Mm-hmm. I, I really do because you can, you can have bad coaching, but if your desire and will to want to be a champion, it comes out because it's, it's, it's almost like a prize fighter. You can get all the training in the world, but when you step into the ring, it's just you and him. Mm-hmm. Now, you might take a few blows, but what is that inner thought will come out and say, you don't hit me too much. Now I got to rise up and become, become the champion. That's within me. And sometimes you have to sit a star player down. That's something that I haven't seen. Right. You're not holding up your end of the bargain. I need to sit you down and let this true freshman play to let you know you're not bigger than the team itself. Yeah. Now, when that happens, you'll see other guys on the team say, oh, wait a minute. If he sat him down, I don't need to be sat down. It's my senior year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's why I say it becomes a coaching and a player's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sorry. You miss a whole bunch of tackles. I might going to put a true freshman in. He can miss as many tackles. And he hasn't been around here that long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ed, Ed Reed is there, obviously, as a chief of staff. I know he cares about football. He's got a lot of passion, the same way you do about the Hurricanes. He loves them. He doesn't like seeing this. But I'm going to ask you from a safety position, because to me, that has been one of the most disappointing positions on the defense this year. Bubba Bolden, you look at his size, 6'3", 215 pounds, um, taking too many chances at times, making bad angles. Uh, Gervin Hall, of course, had that play uh, out on the perimeter where it looked like he went to to take on the block instead of tackling the guy. You're a safety. I mean, you've seen this. What what do you see of the safety play in particular? Like you said, it, it's not very good. And I, and I, I, I did have an opportunity to meet Mr. Bolden. And I used to think I was a big guy at the safety position. But when I met the young man, he's a tall, rangy kind of kid. There's no way you're going to tell me you're 6'3", 200 plus pounds, and you can't hit like a Mack truck. You, there's no way you can, you, you're not, you're not going to make me be convinced otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so 
uh, I, I am after my meeting. I am going to go down there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get in a young man's ear to let him know. Either you could be a first day pick in the draft, one through four, or you could be a free agent. Mm -hmm. That's going to be totally up to him. Because right. right now, in talking to four scouts that I know who are really looking at our secondary, he's right now playing himself out of day one. Same he, thing he I heard. Really, he, he, he's really, he really is. And so you can be a, a great human being, but the NFL is not looking for great human beings. They're looking for great football players. And so for me, as a formal safety, I, I just want to get in his ear after this meeting and let him know, look, dude, I, I, I do talk to, you know, scouting personnel around the NFL. What are you going to do to get yourself back into day one? Because, I mean, you can listen to all the, the critics around campus saying, oh, you're doing a fantastic job. No, bro, I'm here to tell you, you're not. You're not. From one former first-round pick to a future whatever pick, you need to step your game up. You need to be better than what you are. And maybe that's why they don't want the old guys around there talking to them. To the, to the young guys, because I'm going to bring it just straight raw to you. Because mm -hmm. right now, you're a free agent. Now, if you got a family to feed, free agents and money ain't what you want. Right. You, want day, you want day one money. And yeah. I had him bubbled in on my watch list on the Jim Thorpe. Because I, here I am, I'm thinking he's going to have a breakout year. This is year six. Most guys don't get six years to play college football. This is your six. You ought to be annihilating people. And that's not happening. It's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, meanwhile, they've got a couple of other young guys, James Williams in particular, who, you know, you I'm sure you watched. I don't know if yep. you re refereed any of his games. No, I, look, I, I couldn't referee his games, but I, I've watched James for um, two years. One when he was at Western with my, my nephew, who was over at FIU, and uh, one when he was at American Heritage. With, uh, and he's another one I'm gonna talk to you. He's gonna have to learn angles and running, running the alley. That's, that's what we talk about as safeties. Mm -hmm. You gotta be able to, to be that enforcer that runs up in that alley to make, to make those, it's, it's you or it's a touchdown. There ain't no missing no tackles when you're a safety. It's you or there's a touchdown. You know, a lineman can miss a tackle, a linebacker can miss a tackle, but once that safety missed a tackle, everybody in the stadium knows that you're the one that missed that tackle. So, I mean, I just, like I said, I just want to go talk to these young guys, from one old guy to younger guys, let them know. I mean, man, there, there's so much money that they're throwing away. I mean, I have to put it up, they're throwing away to these young kids. I mean, yeah, I know you're making NIL money, but when you get to the National Football League, that NL, I, NIL money will look like pocket change because when you're making $8, 9 $10 million a year, you ain't worried about that. That's what those guys at, that's what those guys at Clemson and Alabama come back and talk to me about. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that little $40,000, $50,000 was good, 
I'm, I'm, I'm eating good, I'm driving good, but <laughs> I want that first day money. Right. Hopefully that first round money. Yeah. It, and what's funny is I had this conversation with John Beeson a couple of years ago at the ACC media days in the preseason, because this is back when, you know, people were talking about Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney. Are they going to leave early? Cause they were three year starters. And then Shaq decided he wanted to come back for a senior year. I think he ended up being a fifth round pick or fourth round pick anyway. But the point is so many guys look at it as I just got to get to the league. It doesn't matter where I'm drafted. I don't think enough of them realize the difference in money and the guarantee. And then the opportunity, because when you are undrafted or you are, third day pick don't they just look at you like hey we, we we can get rid of you tomorrow if we needed to that's right at, at, at any time you yeah. know i mean they'll they'll take that chance on those first day picks because now you're talking first round through the fourth round right they're gonna they're gonna make sure that those guys get that first contract they're, they're almost guaranteed that they're gonna get those first four or five years you're that second day, third day free agent, dude. You ain't you ain't guaranteed the next day. Right. So your mentality has to change as a collegiate player. How can I get myself to a day one player? People often go back to that 2001 team. Sean Taylor was a third. Uh, he was a third player off the bench behind Ed Reed and those guys. Yeah. But he knew that, look, when those guys leave, I got to bring my game up to a whole new level. Yep. That's an inward thing. You, you could coach up all the talent you want, but unless that kid wants it, unless that head coach or that position coach says, you're not giving me what I need, let me play the freshman, that's why I say it's a 70-30 split there. And 70% falls on that player. Yeah, I, I think part of it too, and Randy Shannon told me this uh, when he when he first became coach. He said, Manny, when I get them here, I got to unrecruit them. Because their heads <laughs> are so big when they walk in the door. Everybody telling them, hey, I'm a, I'm a you know, five-star. I'm a four-star. It almost feels like a lot of these kids can't deal with the mental pressure when they don't have success, when they struggle, when they're benched. And there's just – I don't know if they have enough good people around them giving them good advice. Uh, here, here's the thing, Manny. Before – let's just think about it. Before the transfer portal, mm -hmm. when kids made a decision to they stuck with that. Why? Because there's nowhere else to go. I got to stay here. I made a commitment to this university for four or five years. I knew that that kid was there. So in order for me to play, I either got to beat. I got to beat him out. Or guess what? I'm sitting on the bench for four years. Right. So... The transfer portal also had a lot to play with these kids. You know, saying, well, I don't care. I just go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. No. What happened to earning your stripes? Right. These kids, I mean, it starts at youth league. The first thing is, well, if you ain't going to let me play, I'm just going to go to another ball club. Well, fine. I don't care. You can go sit over on their bed. Because <laughs> if you don't want to work here, what makes you think? You're going to go, hey, I tell you that all the time. 
Yeah. For me, there was one guy that left the university, uh, played wide Lawrence Cage. Mm-hmm. He became a better player at Georgia. Right. That kid couldn't catch a he couldn't catch a cold at Miami. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait a minute. Is this, I had to keep watching. Is this the same kid that was at Miami that couldn't catch a cold? He goes to Georgia. He's catching everything. But there's a lot of them now who have left that aren't aren't doing much. I think Nikosi Perry might be the one guy who's actually starting. You think about Jaron Williams. He's not even playing at USF. You know, there's no. a lot of guys who. Uh, but I think in part, Manny, this also has to do with coaching evaluation. When you when you you know back in the day, you guys didn't have the star system. You had like that parade all American. You had the top 100. Nowadays, you got every kid in the country ranked. Right, like you got like. 400, four-star, everybody thinks they're great when they're walking in the door. I just think coaches got to go back to, to trusting their own evaluations and not worrying about the star system. I think a lot of them do worry and, about and, it. And, and that's, the, that's the exact thing that they do. A lot of them, that's why I, I told you I go back to the whole recruiting process. Mm-hmm. You can sit there and tell me, in short, this kid is a four or five-star. Man, when I when I when I referee the game, that's why the kids are so pissed off at me. Because here's a kid, he'll say, "Oh, my, my coach told me who you are. I'm a five star." At the end of the game, I tell him, "I say, dude, that little boy was whipping your butt." So <laughs> to me, you like a one star. So how can you tell me an unranked kid is whipping your butt all day long, but yet right. you keep talking about you're a five star? You're right. not a five star. <laughs> because if to me, those those, those kids that are still trying to prove themselves. They still got that inner dog in them. So they're two, three stars, and nobody want to recruit them. Right. But for me, recruit a kid who got that inner dog left in them that want to show people I can play this game at the highest level. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gregory Rousseau was a good example of that. He was a three-star kid, played at a tiny little private school right in Miami. They had him at wide yeah. receiver. And, you know, he got offers, but Manny was Manny Diaz, one of the first ones on him, and said, hey, you're a defensive end. I'm going to make you a defensive end. And yeah. so they did a good job with that. But I still think you look at this roster, there are a lot of four- and five-star guys, and I think a lot of them just – can't handle being at Miami, can't handle the pressure, you know, mentally soft. You guys didn't have that because you wanted to prove yourselves. I think a lot of these guys lack confidence and lack um, drive the way that they need to. Yeah, you can't go to a, if I tell people, if you can't handle the pressure at Miami, please don't go to a, a team right now that's really winning. 
Can you imagine going to Alabama, you know, or going to Clemson where Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban is always in your ear? Mm-hmm. If you can't handle Miami, you best not to go to those programs because he's going to send you on the bus the next day. Right. At least at Miami, you're going to stay around for two, three years waiting for you to I, – I looked at my – the Oakland Raiders last night. Leatherwood was a top pick coming out of Alabama. He looks like, to me, he's going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. At, at, you know what I mean? At the Oakland Raiders. But he's made that first day money. That kid will never work again in his life. Right. So he doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's a bust. He's made $80, $90 million. He'll never work again. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't worried about that NIL money. That's the first day. Well, it don't matter. You know what I mean? I, dude, are you content with that little bit of money? No. That's not the program that Miami is used to be in. Right. Yeah. Hey, I, I know you – thank you for all the time you're giving me. I want to I wanna give you one last opportunity. So if we could put Benny Blades in charge of Miami – I don't know if it's head coach. I don't know if it's athletic director. <laughs> Whatever it is, we, we, we put you and Alonzo back there. We get some of our old school canes that know what it takes to win. What are you doing? What's the first thing you're doing? First thing I'm doing, I'm, I'm putting it on the kids. You got to compete. Mm-hmm. You got to compete. They've lost that desire to compete. If you don't, because see, we as an athletic director, head coach, position coach, you're only you're only as good as the players that you are teaching. If they're not willing to compete, then I need to bring in somebody and push you by the wayside that's gonna compete. I need it for you to say, you're my top dog. These guys now, they ain't worried about nobody behind. If they get hurt, they know they're going to come right back and get their jobs. Right. So that's the first thing you got to do. You got to make that overhaul in the mind, in the minds of the kids and in the mind of of the coaches. Because if you're not successful, then I need to bring a coach in here that's going to do exactly what he needs to do. And it starts with the position coaches. Mm -hmm. the The first thing we do, we jump on the head coach. But position coaches have them all week. Right. Yeah. It's been a blast talking to you, man. I really appreciate it. You gave me so much time. Is there anything else? I mean, listen, besides the fact that you should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is there anything else I can do for you, man? There's a way I could send in some extra votes for you or whatever? Well, I tell you what, just just, just keep putting my name out there, man. That's all. But uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get back on. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about it some more after I have my meeting on the twentieth. Okay. Because I I just want the the hurricane fans to know that Benny Blaze went in and I, I voiced how I feel about the state of the U. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a, I'm gonna keep it real with them, one hundred. Mm-hmm. Let them know what what was talked about. You know what was agreed upon. If, if we like I say, if we if we're gonna go back to academia, just Tell me that. Right. But I don't see how you can't have them both coexist. 
Right. You can be a great football powerhouse and still have kids graduate. You can, you can do them both. Right. And and right now they're just showing us they're happy with that ACC money. They're just yeah, happy. Yeah. <laughs> they're happy with winning the Coastal, and that's not where we should be. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right about that. All right, so that was my interview with Hurricanes legendary safety, Benny Blades. Obviously heard the passion in his voice about the program. Glad I was able to get that in. Again, he's going to meet with Miami's administration on October 20th. That'll be four days after the North Carolina game. A couple things. I'm going to get to an interview here with the Athletics' Dane Brugler, who does a fantastic job uh, providing our NFL draft coverage. I reached out to Dane because... I spoke to a lot of scouts last week. Uh, there were a bunch of scouts sitting in the Hard Rock uh, Stadium press box watching uh, the Miami-Virginia game, and I spoke to a couple of them there, uh, reached out to some other guys, including uh, some TV analysts who, who do a phenomenal job with college football, just to ask them about the talent level at Miami. You know, when you go back to when this season began and Miami was ranked 14th in the country, there were nine guys on the senior bowl watch list uh if you if you don't remember i'll go over it quickly but essentially you had Derek king cameron harris d wiggins john ford nessa silvera al blades dj ivy gervin hall and bubba bolden i reached back out to a senior bowl executive um in the last 24 hours i asked him well who's still on the list after this two and three start he said three names um cameron harris bubba bolden and uh, John Ford, who really is there because of his size. He's 6'5", 320, a two-gap type of defensive tackle. Um, Cameron's a downhill runner. And Bubba, he's 6'3", 215 pounds. So um, those are the three guys that are really still in the running to make the senior bowl, as well as Lou Headley, although that'll be they pick the specialists later than they do the other players. Um, but anyway, the whole point is uh, this is – been a disastrous start to the season and there's a lot of guys who have hurt their nfl draft stock and so i wanted to bring dane on to talk a little bit about um what he views from an analyst perspective um he sees a a lot and agrees a lot with what i heard from other nfl scouts so here's my interview with dane brugler hope you enjoy it after that's done that'll wrap up the episode and we will see you next week for north carolina all right, so now we're going to talk to Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who, of course, does an excellent job uh, previewing the NFL draft every single year for us. And Dane and I, have, he's been on the show before to talk to us about uh, the Hurricanes. And, Dane, I'm going to start off with this. There were nine guys named to the Senior Bowl preseason watch list for Miami, and Manny Diaz really felt like <clears throat> this was going to be a very strong upperclassman-led team. I reached out to, to Jim Nagy, uh, of course, who puts on the senior boys, one of the executive directors. And I asked him yesterday, I said, so how many guys are left? How many guys are even on the list, you know, from that preseason watch list? He said three. Um, I'm going to let you guess which three. I don't even want to tell you because I want to see if we're on the same page, if there's anybody left on your eyes. Because when you and I talk preseason, you thought, you know, this wasn't necessarily going to be a group with any first rounders, any high draft picks or anything like that. But I mean, it feels like guys have just completely fallen off the radar after after this start for Miami. Yeah, Miami has talent. Uh, there's no question about it. But consistency has been just lacking. Uh, there, there's no question. And, you know, the senior bowl watch list, uh, you know, Jim Nagy and his staff do a great job putting that together. But it's not necessarily – I wouldn't describe it as an exclusive 
list. You know, there's like almost 600 names on the list. And so, you know, they're, they're putting all the prospects out there, the senior prospects who have a shot, you know, before the year going into that final season. And for Miami, it's just, you know, they've had opportunities and a lot of these guys have not performed up to expectations. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been disappointing. Um, I, I know I don't have to tell Hurricane fans that. Um, and when you look at it, uh, who is their top senior prospect? I, I mean, it, before the year, I, maybe you're saying Bubba Bolden. Um, you know, maybe you're saying Will Mallory. But now it's, it's like none of these guys are locked draft picks. Um, you know, Cameron Harris, to me, the running back, maybe the most interesting um, you know, he's a downhill runner, uh, love the way he'll lower his pads in the contact. I think what really helps him is he does a great job in pass pro and obviously going to the next level. Uh, that's something that NFL coaches uh, put a premium on. If you're going to earn a back end roster spot, you have to play special teams and you have to be able to contribute, uh, on any down, any situation. That means you have to show up in passing downs. And I think Cameron Harris can do that. Now, he's not an elusive back. I think his contact balance is very average. He's not going to create a lot of yards after contact, uh, but he'll press the hole. He shows patience. He shows vision. Uh, he's a good athlete. So Cameron Harris, to me, is the, the one Miami prospect that I look at and say, okay, you know what? He has a chance because he has a lot of what NFL teams are looking for at the position. Yeah, he's one of the three, by the way, because I asked him, I said, who's who's really still on your list? And, and I'm glad you pointed that out and explained it to our listeners so that they know, you know, this is sort of like an, a, a guide of 600 names, right, of what you go with. And then you see how those guys right. develop. Um, <clears throat> Cameron's one of them. Bubba Bolden's the other. And then Jonathan Ford um, is is the three, the third. Uh, and then he also mentioned, uh, of course, Lou Headley, the punter, as a guy that they'll look at, but they don't really start to look at specialists until November. But I mean, this list was much longer, obviously, for Miami at the beginning of the year. You had Al Blades, you had DJ Ivy, you had Gervin Hall, the safety, Bubba Bolden, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Nessa Silvera, the other defensive tackle, uh, D. Wiggins, the receiver, who's completely fallen out of the rotation, Cameron Harris, and then, of course, Derek King, who's hurt. Now, I know Derek was being looked at more as, you know, an athlete, and, and then he wasn't necessarily a quarterback, uh, although they were going to probably let him play quarterback at the senior bowl if, if had he had he made it, is, is my understanding. So, um, I guess, have you seen, I mean, does this happen often with other, um, schools where, you know, you, you'll get to this point where guys are prospects and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a bunch of them sort of, I don't want to say completely fall off the wayside, but definitely, you know, there's sort of that moment of, yeah, these guys probably just free agents. Yeah, it happens because, you know, we, we, every year we have guys rise up, uh, and guys emerge and for every prospect that emerges, there has to be a prospect uh, that falls and maybe is not playing up to that level and it gets knocked down a peg or two. So yeah, it happens every year. It's, it's obviously there's what, 256 draft spots uh, every draft. So, you know, it's a very competitive uh, uh, process and, you know, there's going to be guys that emerge throughout the process that test well, that show up during the all-star circuit um, and so it's just each one of these games is a resume builder. It's a chance to put something on film and say, hey, this is why you need to draft me. And unfortunately for the Miami prospects, uh, the seniors, 
they just haven't done a lot of that. You know, Bubba Bolden's one of those players that he's really, really talented. I mean, you he's a rangy player. He's got length. He's got speed. Uh, you know, you watch him just in his pedal and his transition. It's really clean. He can collect himself and go. Um, so he, ha- he has the athleticism. I think he has instincts. Uh, but consistency, it's just not there for him. Uh, and, and that's something that's really frustrating when you watch a safety. And if you're going to draft a safety – you have to be able to trust him. He's the last line of defense. And Bubba Bolden, he's going to bite on throws. He's going to take himself out of position. He's going to miss tackles. And that lack of consistency, that's going to be something that NFL coaches look at and say, yeah, we, we just can't do anything with this player because we can't trust him out there. Uh, now, I do think Bubba Bolden still has a, a decent shot to get drafted because, again, he has the talent. And sometimes, uh, you know, just a, a change of scenery, different coaching, you know, you're able to find a little more consistency. And so, Teams are always going to bet on the talent, and Bubba Bolden has that. So he's one of the few of these Miami prospects that I think still has a legitimate shot to be drafted because he has a lot of the raw talent that coaches will be uh, intrigued with, even if we're talking about a later-round pick. Now, one thing NFL staffs do, obviously, they look at a player, like you mentioned, they look at the talent. John Ford must be just a guy that, you know, he doesn't score well in PFF. I think he's got the lowest ranking of any interior lineman on the team yet. I had two NFL people tell me that, you know, he's a prospect. And is that essentially just mm-hmm. as a run stuffer? Yeah. You know, you need rotational guys on NFL defensive lines. And with Ford, uh, you know, he has shown the ability where he can two gap. He's got those strong physical hands. He can thump at contact. Uh, he can generate a push uh, at contact. You know, too often you see him and he's rushing upright. He's getting off balance too easily. But we're talking about a rotational run stuffer, and he can come in and contribute. And so because of those reasons, yeah, he is a guy that has a shot to get drafted. And if he doesn't, as a PFA, that can get into a camp and impress enough where he could earn that back-end roster spot. So I think Jonathan Ford, uh, and and this is also a senior class. When you look at the defensive tackles in the senior class, obviously you've got a guy at the top in Jordan Davis out of Georgia who's an absolute stud. And then you got a few really impressive uh, players, but then it, it drops off. And so a guy like Ford who has the ability to, uh, you know, he might not have a high ceiling, but he shows the ability to have a high floor. And that's something that can contribute at the next level. Yeah. Um, Zion Nelson was a guy that we were hearing whispers from different people. Oh, maybe this is a, a real athletic guy who can become a first round pick. Um, one of the NFL guys I, I talked to said he, they see him more as a fourth or fifth rounder. If he, if he comes out, in fact, they were, they were saying he should come back to school and still work at it. Uh, Zion, what do you think of Zion as a prospect? And do you think at this point teams maybe have seen enough to say, yeah, he's not ready yet? Oh yeah. There's no question. He's an incomplete player right now. I don't, I don't know how you argue against that. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the traits are impressive. Six, five, 315 pounds, uh, 10 and three quarter inch hands, 35 inch arms. He's got a humongous wingspan over 84 inches. Uh, so just that alone, and you factor in the athleticism, he's a smooth mover, he's got light feet, he can cover a lot of ground and pass pro with that slide quickness that he has. So you just talk about the athleticism, the length, the size, that that right there is you know going to gain you interest uh, by NFL teams. But now the rest needs to catch up, uh, you know, because everybody in the NFL is big, fast and strong. So now it's, uh, it comes down to the little things, the details, you know, your leverage. Uh, you know, your your toughness in the run game, uh, you know, your ability to stay centered, not get overextended. And th- these are the areas where Zion really struggles with right now. He's late with his hands. He gets his weight off centered. 
Uh, and that allows, uh, you know, savvy block or savvy defensive linemen to toss him, get him off his track. So, uh, you know, Zion Nelson, there's a lot to like with the raw traits. He's still not there yet. I think if, you know, he if he feels ready, then he needs to go. But I, I think he could gain a lot by going back to school, becoming more consistent. And it's not just about draft positioning and trying to, you know, turn yourself from a fourth rounder to a second rounder. It's more about long term. Uh, if you go to the NFL and you're not cutting it, teams have only so much patience. Uh, so it's really important for a guy like this who has the ability the rest just needs to catch up. And so spend another year at the college level. And I tell you what, the uh, NIL, that, that is an interesting dynamic with some of these juniors who, you know, maybe are looking for that payday, but uh, are not quite NFL ready in the past. Those guys are bolting for the NFL and just saying, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Now with NIL, hey, maybe I can still get, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars here, a few thousand dollars there uh, and, you know, gain a little bit of income while I'm still in college where, you know, and I don't have to force myself and push myself to the NFL too early when I'm not ready before that hasn't been an option. And so uh, the NIL, that's just another ripple effect uh, with NIL and how it could affect underclassmen decisions, uh, specifically a player like Zion. I wanted to ask you about Charleston Rambo, because to me, he's the one guy who's come in and actually had a good season, put up good yeah. numbers. Um, in fact, one of the NFL personnel guys said probably late fifth round, sixth round draft pick. Um, I know the wide receiver position isn't necessarily deep uh, this year from what he was telling me anyway. Um, what, what is your view of, of Rambo? Um, and, and is he a guy that you think does get drafted? I think he's in that day three conversation. Um, uh, you know, it's, I think how the rest of the year plays out will kind of dictate whether or not he's drafted or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a lot of things that he does well. He tracks the football really well over his shoulder. Um, I, I think that he has some, some route prowess where he'll attack the defender's leverage. He knows how to find a little pockets of separation. Um, the biggest thing for him is he just needs to play tougher. I mean, he, he that skinny frame, it's too easily for uh, you know defensive backs to out-physical mid-route. Um, he's not a contested catch receiver. Um, if you're going to be a, a you know fourth, fifth receiver on a team, guess what? You need to play special teams. And, you know, Charleston Rambo, that's where he needs to show his toughness and, you know, be uh, you know, a little more consistent. So I, I think that he has a chance to be drafted, no doubt. Um, but, you know, wide receiver, that's one of those positions that uh, it's it's not as strong as the last uh, two or three years, but there's still a lot of guys. I mean, I think in just my own personal database, I've got over 200 seniors that, uh, you know, at least I, either I've scouted or teams have mentioned them, uh, their name to me. So there's just a lot of guys and it, it's a really competitive uh, position. And a lot of times the guys that can play special teams, uh, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, maybe the teams are looking for a specific type of receiver that that's, what's going to separate these players. And so for Rambo, it's really important for him to finish strong and, you know, show a little bit more toughness um, when he's running those routes. Um, You mentioned, you know, the amount of talent here. I'm curious, first off, which games have you, uh, you, you study everybody. So I know you're constantly on the film, but which ones did you watch per se was the Thursday, the Thursday night one was well attended by NFL scouts, obviously because when they try to go out to places, this is the only game you get a chance to watch guys as zero in. But I'm curious for you, which ones did you review? Um, I've done three tapes so far. So Alabama, Michigan State, um, and, and then uh, Virginia. Um, I, I, I watched the Virginia tape the, mor- the next morning. Um, and it's funny because I actually tweeted a picture of uh, my twins and, and myself watching that tape. Uh, and it's, 
you know, uh, it was it was an up and down game for uh, a tough loss, obviously. But, you know, it mm-hmm. was it was a game that, you know, I thought like a Charleston Rambo, like he did a lot of good things. He also had two drops. Uh, Cameron Davis uh, or uh, excuse me, Cameron Harris. He had that long run. He did a nice job in pass pro. But there were a few times where he left production on the field. So I, I thought that Virginia tape was really a uh, maybe a microcosm of these prospects as a whole. You mentioned at the top, though, that there's a lot of talent here. And I don't know that you can see this through the tape, but I know from talking to different people uh, who say it's both. It's it's maybe the talent isn't as good. And then the coaching. What do you is there a way to see bad coaching off the tape? Because that's what everybody might all the Miami fans see that they say they're two and three. These guys aren't being developed. What do you think is happening there? Yeah, you know, it's tough, you know, because there's there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't think it's necessarily it's one thing or the other where it, it all falls on the coaches or all falls on the players or or all falls on the scheme. Um, you know, it's just it's it's a collective uh, you know disappointment. It's when you talk about not developing these guys, the consistency factor, it needs to get better. Uh, again, it, the Miami roster is not without talent. There's clear talent on this team but they're not playing as a consistent group. Um, you know, play calling uh, has been up and down in terms of, you know, trying to out scheme your opponent. So, you know, it, it's, I don't, I, I haven't looked at these tapes and said, Oh, there's one clear issue, whether it is coaching, whether it's the, the personnel, I, I just think it's a collective, you know, someone needs to step up, whether that's uh, you know, one of these, one of these players that has the talent or uh, you know, one of the coaches has to you know, make something happen, but something has to happen with this team. Uh, if they're going to, you know, save this season and uh, you know, I'm sure in the eyes of fans that they won't be able to. Any, I know you, you always look at this for the upperclassmen, and I'll let you go with this because I appreciate all the time you've given me, but any of the underclassmen, because Manny Diaz keeps talking about the 20 and 21 recruiting classes. We've had some of those guys play this year. Uh, I'll throw some names at you just to refresh your memory in case there's any guys that you saw pop. But obviously, Tyler Van Dyke started this last game. I thought he finished well in the fourth quarter. Uh, you, you have um, Keyshawn Smith, uh, the receiver on the outside, uh, number five, who has been starting from day one. He, made some, some great catches. Um, you have uh, Corey Flagg, the inside linebacker, the freshman, um, who I thought has played well or played well against Virginia. Is there any guys that are not draftable yet that you say, okay, Miami, you may have a first-round pick here down the road or you may have a guy that that has some, some big-time talent? I can't say that I've seen a guy um, that has jumped out to me to that level. Um, you know, I – there's been a few, even including some of the seniors we didn't talk about. There've been a few that have surprised me a little bit. Like Jared Williams Mm -hmm. has played fairly well. um, And that, that surprised me a little bit. I wasn't necessarily expecting his, what is seventh year in college. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, that, that has been a little bit of a surprise. Um, You know, like a guy like uh, Al blades has been up and down. I, you know, he hasn't necessarily fit that. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think it looking through my notes here. If there's one guy, cause usually if I see, I try to focus on just draft eligible guys, uh, right. but if there is an underclassman that I see and say, you know, I'll write his name down. I don't see anybody in here that I necessarily wrote down that, that jumped out at me, but um, you know, cause it, especially Miami, cause they've got enough, enough upperclassmen that I'm paying attention to. So I, I have not seen a, a freshman or sophomore yet that has necessarily jumped out and said, okay, yeah, I'm a future NFL player for sure. Yeah. Jared Williams, I think, he's number three or whatever in the PFF rankings, but he's only played really two games. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, can a guy at that point, seventh year, do NFL teams look at that at all and say, man, he's too old. 
<laughs> oh, it, it, age matters. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of t- a lot of teams put a lot of emphasis on age and you know where they are uh, in their development. But you know, he's seen a lot of football. He's played a lot of football. Um, I, I, he's not draftable, but you know what? If you play well your final year, it's not going to hurt you. And uh, at, at the end of the day, it's all about getting into a camp and showing what you could do. So uh, you know, the more experience you have, uh, the better off you you'll, you'll be uh, theoretically. So. Uh, you know, he, he at least has a shot. Yeah. Dane, I appreciate all the time you gave me, man. You gave me double last for 10. You gave me 20. So I owe you, I owe you 10 bucks or something. Thanks. <laughs> no. Anytime, man.